Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Welcome back to the Scoop, Outscoop.com's podcast, Season 7, Episode 41. I'm John DiCarlo, the editor of the site. Flying solo today in that I don't have any of my trusty colleagues with me, but we do have a very special guest with us that I know you'll enjoy, and we'll get to him in just a second. Uh, Before we get to talking all about Temple basketball, high school basketball, recruiting, and all the great stuff we have coming up for you, with our guest, Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting. Uh, I want to give you guys a few quick updates uh, about Temple football recruiting. If you're an alscoop.com subscriber, you are all up to speed on this stuff. You know that since we last recorded, Ocean Township High School quarterback Tyler Douglas committed to Temple Monday afternoon. He's the third player from the 23 class, the 2023 class to commit to Temple. So he's joining a pair of wide receivers in Richard Dandridge from Florida and Nathan Stewart. Uh, there's a lot of good football recruiting content on the site. Again, if you're a subscriber, you know about this already. Uh, Kyle Gauss, our assistant editor, has a story on all the midweek official visitors that are on campus right now. Uh, Kyle's story on Kevin Terry, the offensive lineman from Clearwater Central Catholic, is up on the site. And you can find out where Temple stands with his recruitment. I talked to Peter Clark, the tight end from London's NFL Academy, and his story has got a great story that you might want to hear about. And then Dalen Diston, who's one of the players who's on an official visit to Temple right now, Talked to Kyle last week, so I'm assuming it could be a busy week ahead for the Owls uh, with having some of these guys on campus, so stay tuned to the site. As always, again, we'll keep you updated and locked in on the latest football recruiting content as Stan Drayton and his staff build out that 2023 class. And then before we get to Ari here, I wanted to say a quick thank you to Big Game Boomer. So they're a 24-7 college sports talk media outlet with more than 41,000 Twitter followers. Unbeknownst to us, they rank the best podcast for every school, and they recognized OwlScoop.com and this podcast for having the best Temple podcast. So thank you, Big Game Boomer. We appreciate it. Appreciate the shout out. And, uh, of course, appreciate all of you as uh, subscribers and listeners, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing this. So appreciate the recognition there, and we will try to uh, continue to uphold that standard as the best Temple podcast out there, according to Big Game Boomer. So anyway, without further ado, this man has been sitting here patiently as I as I rifle through these these football recruiting updates and uh, through the quick pat on the back there with uh, our podcast accolades. Ari Rosenfeld, again, joining us from Elite High School Scouting. Uh, he is one of the best talent evaluators out there, and I'm a little biased because he's a very good friend of mine, and he's just a just a quality human being as well, making time for us today before the summer gets really, really busy for him. Ari, what's going on, man? How are you? Nothing much. Happy, uh, happy belated JDC. Thank you, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm getting old. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. But always I am. Oh, 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 always a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, thanks, buddy. So um, again, you can, you can follow Ari on Twitter at A Rosenfeld Hoops and uh, Elite HS Scouting. So Ari, the last time we talked to you, uh, it was more so Delaware Valley Hoops Report. You've since absorbed, I guess, Delaware Valley Hoops Report is now under the umbrella of elite high school scouting. Um, and now Division One college coaches can subscribe. Just tell us about the business. It looks like things are really continuing to grow for you. Again, I know 
I, I know that college coaches really respect your opinion and respect your opinion out there on the on the recruiting trail and you're always in the mix uh, anywhere and everywhere. But just tell us about how your business has grown over the last several months since we last talked to you. Yeah, so so things have definitely been going well, uh, as you sort of alluded to. For lack of a better term, it kind of outgrown some of the local work I was doing under the Delaware Valley Hoops Report moniker. I'd uh, sort of stumbled into a, a, a concurrent business working more on the, the pro side with some NBA teams and doing some more national work. Um, and, and it has always been doing more work regionally than I was necessarily being paid <laughs> paid for or, uh, or was under my purview for the Delaware Valley Hoops Report. Uh, but ultimately, just to kind of hit a point where I was going to Texas, or I was going to Vegas or going to all these different uh, events. And it just seemed kind of silly to, to be introduced to myself as Ari Rosenfeld from the Delaware Valley Hoops Report mm-hmm. as we're sitting there out in, 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 in Dallas or sitting on the West Coast or, or what have you. So the business I was doing uh, with NBA teams was all under uh, the, the brand of elite high school scouting and basically ended up uh, merging those two together about almost a year ago, uh, uh, about this time. I think publicly we announced it in August mm-hmm. and with that, probably the biggest change uh, other than the name and, and, and the logo, which my clients honestly don't, don't care a ton about or don't notice necessarily, but the biggest change is bringing on uh, Tom Keller as mm-hmm. our, our VP of scouting specifically for the Northeast region. So he grew from really what was just a hyper local service uh, covering the Philly area mm-hmm. to now as elite high school scouting, we have uh, still a local, uh, a local package that focuses on Philly but a really a, a regional Northeast and Mid-Atlantic scouting service with a national arm as well. So, so Tom has been huge, huge, huge towards building that out, um, especially within the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Um, so I'd say since, since the last time we spoke, I, I, I'm not sure anybody between Tom and I has, has, has seen more basketball up and down the East Coast than, than the elite high school scouting staff. And ultimately, that's, uh, that's our goal. That's our pitch to coaches. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to be smarter than anybody else or know more than anybody else, but, but, but we're going to work harder and we're going to see more than everybody else. Um, and hope that that can, uh, that can fill in the gaps. How do Ari, how does that change? Maybe not change your, your process, but it's just more to do more to see more notes to keep. How do you, uh, how do you do it all? Um, I'll be honest. I, I'm, I'm not the most organized person. I, I, I think I just showed you my desk before, uh, before we got started. I'm not the most organized person with most things, but I have always been organized when it comes to my notes and, uh, my data, you know, whether it's just like kids, phone numbers and, and birthdays and information like that. I've always been very organized with that. Even when I, I had a pretty small area to cover. Mm-hmm. So that's been helpful towards, towards helping keep things together while we expand. Um, I'd say it, it the, the process is easier um, than it was when I was building up my Philly service because I have a little bit of a reputation behind me and I have a lot of experience now behind me in a way that I didn't back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to look at it as as mostly the same process, just in different areas. So it takes the biggest thing has been kind of keeping track of, of some different events that I might not know about or, you know, where I, I know all the events where I'm going to see the top underclassmen in Philly each year because I've been doing that for so long. But all right, now where can I go see the underclassmen in DC and where can I see them in New England and, and get a, a, a sort of head start on some of those guys before co- coaches and clients are going to be asking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just showing, m- m- making sure that you're showing face everywhere. That's mm-hmm. ultimately what, when people ask me how to, how, how I got into this business or how I built up um, Delaware Valley Hoop supporters, really just that for a while, when you go to a game in the Philly area or an event in the Philly area, you'd see me there. And, mm-hmm. and that's there, there, there's nothing more important, I think, in, in this industry and in most industries than that. 
And just showing uh, up, yeah. Yeah, and then showing up and, and, and letting people see your face and, and, and repeatedly uh, showing up and seeing your face. So it's not just a one-off or you're not uh, making a cameo appearance. So um, I, I, I say that that's been the biggest change, just making sure that I'm doing that now in other areas, which obviously living in the Philly area means getting in the car and, <laughs> and spend a little time on the road and what have you. But, uh, but it's been a really fun process, to be honest. And that kind of almost really provides a natural transition into my next question here, because we, you know, we, you know, talk a lot about it as friends and our group chat and stuff, but you know how much the transfer portal name, image, and likeness has changed, not only college basketball, college football as a whole, but I would imagine it's changed your business too. Does it put with college coaches all over the place, not just low majors, mid majors, high majors everywhere, Everybody has to recruit the portal. Everybody has to re-recruit their own players every year. Does that put does it does that put even more emphasis on on D one coaches coming to you and saying, "Hey, we're spending so much time looking at the portal. No, we haven't stopped recruiting high school kids, but now we really have to hit our mark." And maybe they don't have as much time. Has has your business picked up, or are people coming to you even more and saying, "Hey, man, I'm spending so much time keeping an eye on the portal that." It's hard to keep track of it. Does it put even more of an emphasis on what you're doing now, scouting high school kids? Uh, it, I, I'd say it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, the, the positive is, is um, yeah, it, it, it's. I, I, I'm more of an, uh, an expert because I'm spending more time in these gyms mm -hmm. and coaches are spending less time in them. Right, uh, right. So, so they are more reliant uh, when they do need to be there, when they need information from those gyms, they're more reliant on the people that they know are in there on a day-to-day -day basis like mm -hmm. myself um, since, I mean, they were never in their day-to-day, -day, but maybe they used to be in there week-to-week -week and now it's month-to-month. Right. Because uh, it's just less of a priority and, and, and there's more things that are more pressing. Like you said, I mean, it, you know, everything's much more... Um, much more year to year right now. Yeah. So I said the biggest change is, uh, you, you know, uh, on June 15th, uh, yesterday, coaches were allowed to contact the the rising class of 2024 for the first time directly. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, that's uh, every year on June 15th, rising juniors can get contacted for the first time. Mm -hmm. I'd say this is by far the most behind that I ever felt that my clients were on that rising junior class at the time that they were first allowed to, to make those contacts. Um, and that's just the reality, I think, of, of what college basketball is becoming on, on both sides, where it's just very much year to year. Uh, coaches are really in preparation for this weekend at the June high school live periods are really just starting to get a grip on these 2023 prospects. And some of them are actually just finishing, if not have, still looking for a player for their 2022 recruiting class. Yeah. Um, you, you know, to come play for them this fall. Yeah. So, I, I, I'd say that's been the biggest change, not necessarily good for business or bad for business. It's just a little bit different um, where, where the work I'm doing, you know, I mentioned keeping track of underclassmen and what have you, like that's a really key part of, of my job, but it's now just much more for down the line than it is. So I can tell a coach that he should be recruiting this rising sophomore or even this rising junior now, because if you're not a very, very high level or if you're not certain schools still like to do things a little differently, but for the most part, if you're not a really, really high level, you're not getting recruited until right before your senior year and it, 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 if you're lucky or you're probably going into your senior year a little bit in limbo without without that much solid and, and i think the bigger change is is on behalf of these kids and having to deal with the anxiety of that and yeah and the stress of that um and they don't necessarily understand all the moving parts that have nothing to do with them that that obviously trickle down and impact them 
Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you, you know, because I, I mean, even just from my time as a reporter in the newspaper business, and even just still doing this now, sometimes when, when you're out talking to people, even as a reporter, sometimes coaches and, and parents will ask you, hey, what do you know? What are you hearing? And for you, I imagine in your position, I think like the, the, the basic opinion of some people was with the portal one of the immediate thought was one of the immediate thoughts was high school kids are going to get hurt or impacted by this just as you just alluded to is it creating kind of a two-part question for you here number one are more coaches and parents and players coming to you and saying hey what are you seeing what are you hearing because now i'm worried that my son's not going to get a spot or he got this offer. Do you think we should commit to it now? Is it, is it, is it creating a heightened sense of awareness for them to like saying, Hey, if I, I don't know if I can wait months and months and months, like I got Wagner, I got St. Peter's, I got LaSalle. I'm going to wait and see what comes down the pike. Are they now saying, Hey, this might be as good as it gets because of the portal. Are you seeing a heightened sense of awareness there? And then are you personally getting a lot more questions from people because of how things have changed? Yeah, um, I, I wish I could say I really was seeing a heightened sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I don't really think that's the case among the parents and, and, and kids. I think um, certainly, obviously, people on, on my side of the industry are fully aware of what's going on. And I, I think for the most part, if they weren't before at this point, most of the AAU coaches and high school coaches are at least familiar with, with the changes going on with the portal, with NIL, uh, with the, the uh, COVID waivers, which I think had probably a bigger impact than any other single yeah. single rule change. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, the people that are in this over time are more familiar with it than the parent who's just raising their one son and going through this for the first time. And obviously then that son who's who's being recruited for the only time, you, you know, you know and, and, and going through this process for the only time that they've ever done it. Um, I, I, I'd say I'm getting a lot more questions, but coming mostly from an angst standpoint of like, well, what, what what's happening? Why isn't anything yeah. coming in? Um, you know, maybe my my nephew three years ago, who my son is better than, he had offers by now, and and why don't we? And and it's the biggest thing I've been trying to explain is just it, that that it's a different time than it was three years ago, mm-hmm. um, even than it was two years, but you know, certainly than it was before COVID. Um, it's just a different time and a different era in recruiting where. Um, I mean, I, 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 everything's happening slower as we spoke about. And I also just do think that kids are going a little bit lower than they were before. Cause they're now competing with kids in the transfer portal, kids in junior college, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're at least going to start out, they're going a little bit lower, but then the flip side is they have the opportunity to, <laughs> if they, if they perform, get in the portal and, and, and go up and go to the level that they feel like they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot of the conversations I've been having have really just been trying to quell anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and personally, I try to do that more with parents and with coaches, um, than with, you know, cause telling a 16, 17 year old kid not to be anxious about where he's going to college or, or where he's going to live in the yeah. fall. And I, I was there not that long ago and, and, and it's not that easy to, to, to not be anxious, but if you can keep the parents and, and the, co- you know, if you can keep the adults giving the right messaging and, 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 and getting the right information then that's the best route toward, towards keeping the kid level-headed. And what you really don't want to see is a kid start, especially a kid who's a good player, start playing differently or changing his game because he's feeling this internalized pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very important to keep that message of, look, keep doing what you're doing, keep focusing on yourself, and ultimately it's going to come. It's just not going to be the same process that you might have seen from your friend a few years ago or for, you know, even from 
your friend right now just happened maybe he's getting recruited at a higher level like that's you you got to focus on yourself and 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 it'll come and with name image and likeness it's it's changing recruiting it's changing current rosters um you know isaiah wong's game very well you you saw him play plenty uh when he was in high school here uh, in the philly area and there was the whole thing with and this is just one of many examples there was the whole thing with nigel peck coming into miami as a transfer he ends up signing a a two-year $800,000 NIL deal with life wallet. And then Adam Pappas. That lawyer uh, couldn't keep his mouth shut about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, so Adam Pappas, who I, as I understand is Wong's agent on NIL stuff, you know, puts it out there that Isaiah is going to transfer if his NIL needs weren't met. And then Isaiah eventually kind of like, Walk well, John, back a little John, bit. No, you're not mentioning he's also Nigel Pack's uh, representative as well. I believe. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so you know we could dedicate an entire podcast to this because there's there's so much to it. But um, yeah, and and again, like we've been saying for years that that the NCAA is not making just millions but billions of dollars off the backs of 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 these players. And now that you know, to utilize this cliche, now the the toothpaste is out of the tube. So much has changed. It's trickled down to your level. This is probably that the, there's so many different ways you can answer this question. Is this a good thing, a bad thing, a different thing with the portal? With you, you said it, it's a year to year thing. It's no longer, in some ways, like a coaches can try to say we're building a long term culture, we're building a long term culture, but it's getting hard to do that. Yeah. People have called it free agency. What do you make of all of this? I know, again, we could probably talk about it for hours, but from where you sit and being as involved and as plugged in as you are, where do you make of, what do you make of NIL, the portal and how it's affected the game? Um, wow. So, yes, yeah, so like you said, it's a big question. I think you gave me a little bit of a, a cop-out opportunity when you said it's a good thing, a bad thing, or a different thing. I'll take the, uh, <laughs> I'll take option C and say it's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, and it, it everybody's really trying to figure out how to navigate it on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I think most people who you talk to, certainly in this industry and, and who are around these kids, who know the work these kids put in, who, who know the money that comes with it uh, on, on the institutional level. I, I think most people are happy that these kids are able to, to, to have the opportunity to make money and to, to, to make, in some cases, a living, in other cases, just to, to be able to, uh, go, go, go have wings and, and, and pizza on the weekend and, and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think overall on balance, it's a really good thing. The current, what the, the ripping the bandaid off from, from, from zero to, to from zero to now there's no restrictions and there's no rules and it's the wild, yeah. wild west. I'm not sure how sustainable that is mm-hmm. ultimately in the long term. And you combine that with the portal, with these COVID waivers, which I think was, uh, you know, if I was going to get on my soapbox about something, it would be on, on, on how ridiculous and short-sighted that was at the time that they did it. Um, granting the extra years you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Granting, but, but get, get, giving the blanket waiver for, for an extra year for anybody uh, who was in, in college athletics during, uh, during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that they did, it was before the season and before most of those players ended up getting to participate in full seasons and, 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 and play. And then it just hurt the next four years of kids coming in behind them who are future yeah. NCAA athletes. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So, so just the, what, where I've, from, from where I've said, what I've been trying to figure out is how this year to year, uh, nature of things is really fully sustainable long-term. Cause I'm not sure who it's that great for. I'm not sure who loves it this way, whether I don't think coaches love it this way. And ultimately 
I think some kids and some coach like they like the idea of it that oh I can go anywhere and I'm free, but but I don't think they like the practical nature of oh I just averaged two points a game this year and my coach might be coming in and telling me that my spot's not available for next year. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's something that's really happening right now, and it's always happened. Um, but because have- they're yeah because we've always known that scholarships are year to year agreements and that the most aggressive coaches in America could sit with a kid at the end of the year and be like, Hey, if you want to play 15 minutes a game next year, more power to you. It's just not going to be here. And that's how you kind of, that's how you kind of push them. But as you're saying, it's becoming now it's on steroids. No, exactly. Um, And it's cutthroat and it's a little bit of the, all right, well, you reap what you sow. If you want it to be paid and you want it to um, be treated as an employer, like this is your job. And if you don't perform at your job, you can get fired. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, like I said, I'm not sure kids are really going to like that. And I don't think these coaches like the year to year nature of why recruiter and spend a lot of time in, in developing and investing in this kid. And as soon as we start to reap the benefits, he can just turn around and bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it might be June and, and I've still got to figure out who's on my team for next year. Yeah. Um, I don't think coaches love that. So, so when you're looking at both parties and, and, and there's things that they're not going to love, that's where I look at like long-term, I think some things are going to change. Um, I think. We've already seen it where like these, especially on the football side, like these collectives were getting pretty, uh, it seemed like pretty out of hand and basically like not in the spirit of what they wanted these rules to be. And they're at least trying to crack down on that already. So like, I, I think like anything else, it's going to be a little bit of a, a trial and error to figure out what the, uh, what the best practices are. And I think schools are figuring this out on the fly. The NCAA is figuring it out on the fly and, and recruits are figuring it out on the fly. And I think like the biggest thing I've seen just dealing with high school kids is, 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 right now the, the 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 initial wave is just you the the dollar signs in their eyes like oh wow now like i <laughs> this is something that wasn't available uh going back to the conversation we were having earlier about like my cousin got recruited a few years ago my cousin getting recruited a few years ago couldn't get offered this stuff certainly not above <laughs> above the table um so, so so i'd say the high school kids are just kind of enjoying the the, the process of it and and they don't necessarily know all the ramifications that come with it yet um, and I, the last thing I would say is that below the high major and like the, the high and mid level, I still don't think you're seeing where it's, oh, like this kid's committing here because he's getting this NIL package and that's why he's going there. I think it's, it's something that some of the lows and mids are starting to embrace and starting to figure out creative ways that they can, um, that they can utilize it. Um, but I don't think it's as make or break as it is at the high major level where it's, you know, this school's offering me 600,000 and this school's offering me 300. Uh, I, I, I got to go where they're offering me six. Do you think it's, it, I, I think sometimes people don't, again, on a surface level, we know that people kind of just generally speaking, will just I get their aggregated news from Twitter and they'll scan through and they don't read stories as much anymore. And they don't realize that, you know, the transfer portal rules are an NCAA thing. Name, image, and likeness is a federal thing with, with rules differing from state to state. So NIL isn't an NCA thing. They can, in my humble opinion, they can say they're going to try to regulate these collectives as much as they want, but I don't, I don't, no, and, I don't and, know how much. That's how do you actually do that? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're 501 C threes. They can, they can do it legally. And I'm sure coaches they'll never say this on the record, but if they don't get collectives, they're not going to be able to win. They're not going to, they're not, they're yeah. not going to be able to, to, to keep their, their current players on the NCA side. And again, this is all just, speculation and us kind of just sitting here guessing do, do you think the nca would ever say in the future like maybe we do need to tighten up the portal rules and that's the one thing that we can if you were to kind of try to put the toothpaste back in the tube do you think could you ever envision a scenario where the nca might say hey we gotta 
we might need to tighten up the the portal rules because the NILs really as of now they got out of their control. That's a federal thing. Yeah. Um. I'll be. I mean, I I I don't think it's going back. Mm-hmm. Um. I think you 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 hit the nail on the head. Like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Um. And 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 I don't think it's it it's going to go back. I think if anything, sooner than the NCAA would step in and do that. I think the NCAA is is almost looking towards the opportunity of like how closely can we just like wash our hands of any of this responsibility mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and let it be a free-for-all um because if you look at like the ncaa's exists um to uh it, to to promote amateurism and mm-hmm. to uh put on the championships like that's the ncaa's purview mm-hmm. the if these kids are getting paid now, then they're really, then, then they're not. Amateur. Those, yeah, yeah it, 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 exactly. Then that, um, that goal of preserving amateurism just isn't really there and doesn't need to be there. And we don't need the organization to, uh, to, 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 to be there to, to, to ensure that if we don't really care anymore, mm-hmm. I think that's really more the, the direction that is going rather than they're going to come in and crack that crack back down on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they would probably rather wash their hands of it and, and, and let the chips fall where they're going to. Again, that's just purely speculation. But, yeah. but, but um... final nil related question here: as I, as I think of this, do you do you get a sense of how coaches are dealing with? You know, the other thing that they're dealing with now is just building a culture, building things within their own organization. Where, like, you know, if you're Miami and you're on the staff there, you're anywhere. Hey, um, oh, that guy just got a deal with this place. Where's my money? Yeah. And I mean, like on the, on one side of it, fans might say, Hey, if you're an, if you're a, an NCAA basketball coach and you're getting paid a million a year, two, two million a year, 3 million a year. Well, that's just something you have to deal with. Like, but do you hear any sort of trickle down effect of coaches saying like, I don't know how to deal with this anymore. Like it's human nature is what it is. Like, is that becoming a tougher part of things? I, I, I'd say like not not specifically that scenario, although obviously like it's something that that, that people have discussed and it's it's a hypothetical that that probably isn't a hypothetical. I mean that, that, that that's probably happened in certain locker rooms, and if it hasn't, then it will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say the general sentiment of coaches just right now isn't specifically as it pertains to that issue, but but I've talked to a lot of coaches who are just saying right now that they feel like the job that they're doing as a college basketball coach in 2022 is fundamentally different than the job that they were doing when they got into college coaching or the job that they got into college coaching to be able to do one day. Yeah. Um, Now some, and and some of them love it. Um, Some of them are getting out of the business Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, at the highest, highest levels, like, you know, you see speculation, that's a big part of why Roy Williams or Jay Wright decided that this just wasn't really for them or something. And it wasn't really something that they derived the same uh, um, satisfaction from. Um, It's Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily better or worse. It's a uh, it's a different job right now than it was a few years ago, um, and I think wh- whether that's dealing with egos that come from NIL and 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 interpersonal stuff, whether that's just like we we're talking about the year to year nature of things, um, it, it it it's a very you know recruiting the portal versus recruiting high school kids. Like it's it, it's a very different job right now, and I think mm-hmm. um, I have heard coaches mostly lamenting that. Whether even if they like the, the 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 sort of new role, they're at least like nostalgic for for what they feel like the job was, mm-hmm. uh, even as recently as three, four, or five years ago. I uh, and here I am. I'm going off script again, but I got to ask you about this. Two things while I have you. 
Um, wanted to ask you about, did you, did you know the Jay Wright stuff was coming? I, I, I did not to be, <laughs> to be totally, no, no, that one caught me completely by surprise. How did, do you, what do you see in terms of now Kyle Neptune, we know how much he had to do with Jay's success. I'm assuming, and again, cause I don't cover Nova. Do they miss much of a beat? with Kyle Neptune stepping in, it looks like from where I stand again, do I cover temple? Yes. Do I cover the big five? Don't cover Villanova intimately, but it looks like that was, if, if Jay Wright is going to step down, he's a good, looks like he's a good fit there instead of going for a national search. Yeah. You, you would think, so. I mean, so much of when we talk about Villanova, we talked about culture, we talk about like the, uh, I know term J loves uses attitude. Right. Um, I, I, even as they've ascended towards a pretty much a blue blood program at this point, they've still always kind of done things their way and stuck to their culture and, and recruited the kids that they thought fit that culture and that attitude. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I would think obviously like the best ways to preserve that if you're not going to keep the head of the snake being, being Jay Wright is keep everything else intact that you possibly can. So certainly Kyle, I think is the closest thing you get to being able to do that. And then I think, obviously separate from just Kyle, Kyle was able to keep the entire staff in place. Um, who, who, if you talk to anybody, that staff had, is, is sort of a well-oiled machine with the way that they work and the way that they work together and, and, and towards a, towards, towards a common end. Um, so, so I think it's obviously an open question. I mean, Kyle Neptune is not Jay Wright. I don't think Kyle Neptune is going to be in there and try to be Jay Wright. I think he's going to try to, to, uh, to, to start, start his own era as Kyle Neptune. But um, no, I said, that's probably one of the biggest questions in college basketball nationally right now is, is, is Villanova going to skip a beat? Are they going to be able to keep this going? I think, um, you know, certainly a lot of the, they had a big recruiting class coming in that Kyle was able to keep and Kyle was still there and, and, and involved in recruiting those kids when they signed to Villanova. So that wasn't a surprise. Um, I think he's a guy that's really well liked on the road and has, has relationships with kids, with coaches, et cetera, where um he's going to have as, as, as good a chance of any to keep things going. Um, but obviously the, the success that they've been having the past few years, it's hard for anybody to, to sustain. <laughs> it was going to be hard for Jay Wright to sustain if he was staying there to win, you know, three final fours and five, six, seven right. years. Um, if that's a standard, you're, you're probably going to fall short most of the time. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be really interesting certainly college basketball regionally, but I think nationally it's one of the biggest stories of, you know, just what's Villanova going to look like. And then staying in the big five, you know, I, I ran into to, to Fran Dunphy uh, probably good six, seven weeks ago. And not long after the news broke, I mean, I got the chance to catch up with him briefly. And I think Dump's been pretty honest in saying like, hey, this isn't exactly how I thought things were going to play out. But if, if you know Dump, you know that like if you're a Temple fan and you can say, well, I wish he would have won more in the tournament. Fine. That's fair game. But like. He won a ton of games at Temple. He's always been honest. He's always been forthright. And I think he feels a true sense of obligation to his alma mater. And, you know, I don't think we, we know he wasn't out there campaigning for the job. And I think he's taking it over as a sense of obligation with everything we're talking about. NIL, the portal, and, and you know, the, the, all these LaSalle alums who were like, we, hey, Dumpf, we want you to do this. We want you to get LaSalle basketball back. How heavy of a lift is this for him now with everything that's going on in the game? Uh, a very, very, very heavy lift. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. I, I, I would think a lift that Fran probably isn't ultimately expected to make uh, 
or, 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 or finish or complete on his own. Um, and I think that's fair. Cause again, I like temple fans who were ready for a change might say I'm being too loyal with Dolph. I don't care what you said the, the guy can still coach basketball. No, he can still coach basketball, he can still and coach he can basketball still, and still, he can still run. He, and, and, and he can still oversee a program that, that if you're running an institution is going to be the type of program that, um, you know, you want to represent your institution. Yeah. Um, and I think at LaSalle right now, where LaSalle's positioned, um, you know, some of this is above my pay grade when it comes to, you know, institutional money and, and um, you know, uh, arena renovations. That's probably, right. <laughs> um, you could probably talk more about that than, than, than I could, honestly, from, from, from covering Temple. Um, well, they've so, got so, that $6 million gift that's sitting there, right? But what is $6 that, that's million going to get you? Exactly. That, that, from what I gather, supposed to expire or something uh, yep. pretty soon. So, so I, honestly, I think what feels like more of Dump's role is almost to, to get the program into a place where potentially the next guy can succeed right. on the um, on the back end of, of, of that stuff. Where mm-hmm. I don't think LaSalle right now, positioned where they are in the A-10, is really in a place where it's realistic for somebody to come in there and succeed. Yeah, I think Ashley Howard, unfortunately, bore the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and yeah, I think you hit it on the head of sort of coming in as as obligation, not just to uh to his alma mater. I think there's some of it where it's an obligation to to the Big Five and to Philadelphia basketball to get LaSalle back to where it was and or you know something close and and to obviously in turn help have that help the Big Five and 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 get the Big Five back to some competitiveness that hasn't been there certainly for the last probably decade or so, yeah. uh, five years for being generous, but. Um, I think that's more the job than it is for all of a sudden LaSalle to be at the top of the A-10 with Fran Dunphy roaming the sidelines. Right. Uh, now, transitioning to Temple. I mean, this might sound like a simple, no kidding type of question, but you know the Temple program very well. Kelvin Sampson, we've talked about this before. Like if Temple fans look for a benchmark, some of them say, we want Temple to be what Villanova is. That's just not there yet. It just isn't. You could look at Houston and what Houston's done. Now Houston's going to be leaving, you know, for the Big 12 uh, in a couple of years. But you look at what Calvin Sampson's done there. Built it, built it, built it. Year four, they got to the tournament. Now they've finally broken through. And now they're getting the sustained success in March. This is year four for Aaron McKee. Is this is, yeah, I know you haven't seen Jamil Reynolds and Kerr John coach the two, two bigs they added in, in the portal. And we'll talk about them in a second. And that position in general, is this an NCAA tournament or bust season for Temple? I mean, if you asked Aaron McKee, be like, "Yeah, I want to get to the tournament." Is that yeah. the, does that have to be the expectation for them this year? Um, I, I and this is where like I, I I've never coached, and this is maybe why 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 I wouldn't be a great coach. I look at things like a little bit more gray than that. Where mm-hmm. <coughs> I definitely I definitely think this has to be a step forward year. Yeah. Um, I look at you know to me the tournament's a little bit ambiguous. I look at it as like, all right, are you going to be in the top four of the American? Right. Um, are, are, are you going to, uh, what the, cause they were what the fifth seed last year. Yes. And law and, and, and lost, lost to Tulane in the first round. Yeah. 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 So like, are you going to make, are, you know, are you going to be in the semifinals of the American tournament? Mm. I, I think there's more checkpoints, um, that they maybe haven't hit yet that, that, that they can still hit and fall short of a tournament and have it be a successful season. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now I'm not speaking for Temple. They might sit here and tell you, no, if we don't get to the tournament, then we don't consider that a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of coaches are, are, are probably going to tell you something along those lines. They're more competitive than I am probably. Yeah. Um, but, but I think it, yeah, I mean, it definitely needs to be a step forward year and it definitely, um, needs to be a year that shows a sign of art. If this isn't the tournament team, 
then the core of a Temple tournament team still needs to show on 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 this year's team. Um, and 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 there needs to be the very clear um, direction forward as to how this group and how this core can be a tournament team. If not this year, all right, how are they coming back and how are they going to be a tournament team next year? Because mm-hmm. um, somewhat similarly, some somewhat similarly to last year, I think whatever success they have this year is is going to be in large part on the back of a lot of younger guys who are right. You know, obviously we talk about the year to year, but right now as we sit here today, slated to be back, uh, you know, as part of the twenty three twenty four team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and as I said a, a couple minutes ago, a huge missing piece for them on the roster was just any post presence. You know, I wish Jake Forrester well, but he just, just things never worked out for him at Temple. He's, he's hit the portal. He's graduated. He's playing. He's going to be playing in St. Louis. Aaron would say, and I talked to Aaron about a month and a half ago at a Temple fan event and, you know, talked to him about Jamil Reynolds, the UCF transfer and Cor John coach, the, the grad transfer from Northern Colorado. And Aaron would say, I want to be able to play inside out. And he was like, told me, I would kind of just say that. Sure. I wanted to be able to do that, but we just couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. I don't even think Aaron's talking about the days of like, you know, throwing the ball into like your, your prototypical back to the basket center, but they just couldn't do anything there. So I know that you haven't seen Jamil Reynolds play and Cor John coach play, but is it kind of, you know, getting players like that in the portal, is that, is that what Temple has to do now? Because it's, it, you know how hard it is to find bigs just in high school. And now, like, looking to get them off the beaten path, like, through the portal and even through the portal, you know, even just, you know, fans would say, oh, look at this kid at this low major school. He's averaging a double-double. And I'd say, I hate to tell you this, that kid's probably going to Kansas or Duke, yep. you know, because they're, like, everybody's looking for bigs. You know, so Temple, I know they, they feel that, you know, if Jamil Reynolds gets himself in a better shape, there's something there. Cor John Kutch is a one-year player. They can they can throw lobs too. He's athletic. He can block shots. Is that is that kind of not surprise you to say, hey, that's how they had to go out and get a, a couple of bigs uh, to fit the roster there? No, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I, I, honestly, sort of like you alluded to, it doesn't surprise me that even for a school like Temple, who in in the scheme of things, I mean, the American Athletic Conference is is one of the higher level conferences in in college basketball the bigs that they're getting out of the portal are guys who, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, these guys were, were less than five points and less than five rebounds, right? At the school. Poor's numbers were a little bit better at Northern okay. Colorado. Jamil, they, they saw up close and personal and they, they think that, yeah, being, being in the league. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Jamil's numbers weren't, weren't great. He's more of a potential. Yeah. They think he's skilled type of guy. And, and I think that just sort of speaks to the nature of in general, one of the hardest things for my job is finding bigs for a level like Temple. Right. Um, we talk about small ball and positional basketball, et cetera, et cetera. But especially in college, college coaches still like big guys yeah. <laughs> and, and college coaches still want to play with bigs. Sure. Um, and, and, and size still, even at every level in the NBA, I mean, size, size, size wins, just to, the size is to be able to do more than they, than, than they had to do 10, 20 years ago. Um, so finding bigs for temples leveled is one of the hardest things for my job because, most of the guys who are going to be good enough to be bigs in the AAC are also probably good enough, especially in the market and in supply and demand, at least if they're not good enough to play high major, they're good enough to be recruited at that level yeah. and to have opportunities to, 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 to go to schools at that level. So you have to either convince that kid that it's better for him to come to a, a situation a little bit lower, like a temple, which is hard to do in today's day and age. Um, or you have to probably go the other way and get the kid who's not quite good enough yet. Cause if he were, he'd be being recruited at an even higher level. You have to take the kid who's maybe not quite good enough and feel good that you're going to be able to develop him 
um, you, you know, go back to, to Temple Day, you know, like a Lavoie Allen type. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, especially now in today's day and age, like we've talked about, it's really hard to, to do that. Uh, and, and even if you do do that and, and develop the kid, it's hard to reap the benefits because by the time he, he improves, he's, he's ready to transfer and, 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 and go up. And like you just talked about, and Biggs go in the portal, they have a ton of options. Yeah. That's my really long winded way of saying that. Yeah. It's it, to Temple's kind of always going to have to look a little off the beaten path for those bigs and, and they're going to have to kind of make some dart throws and, and, um, and this is, this isn't them talking. This is me talking where I would think some of the thinking is, yeah, we bring in two of these guys. And if one of them hits, then, then we're in business and we have a five man and, and we feel good about our, our ones, twos, threes, and fours. And we really only need one of them. And if we can bring in a couple a year and one of them hits, then, then great. So I, so, so I do think this sort of new age recruiting can help a school like Temple just opening up new options um, in recruiting to, to be able to turn over more stones and, and, and look for these bigs because it's a really, really hard market to find for specifically for the level that Temple's at. Now, another player that they just got a verbal commitment from to, we think, maybe finish up their 22 class, but we'll see. And I'll get to that in a, a second with you. Deuce Roberts, a player from St. Michael the Archangel in uh, high school out, outside of Kansas City. Again, I know Deuce is not a kid that you've seen before, and he's a two-time All-State player and out there. And there's some good basketball out there. Every region of the country is going to say, hey, we've got good basketball. North Jersey, New York, D.C., yeah, all over. But, but- – it couldn't be true that there's good, there's good players everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a connection there um, with, you know, one of his AAU coaches is Chris, uh, is Chris Clark's uncle. And we've talked to Deuce again, reminder, if you, if you're an Scoop subscriber, you can read Deuce, uh, the story, uh, Kyle Gauss's story on Deuce Roberts, listen to the interview there. I know you didn't see Deuce, but like, are you, how often does a, a player like this work out? And I think again, Aaron, and the coaches, they, they just, he signed the other day so they can, we haven't talked to him yet on the record about Deuce, but um, I, I think they see him as a kid that they can develop slowly because we know where a lot of the minutes are going to go this year. You know, Damian Don, Zach Hicks, uh, I see Miller, so on and so forth. And Deuce is a guy that they can develop in the long haul. Do, is this, do you think again, not having seen him play, do, are you, do you think we'll see a little bit more of this where a kid gets forgotten because of the portal? And how often do you see a kind of a diamond in the rough situation like this working out where you just trust your evaluation, trust what people are saying and saying like, Hey, I don't care. Again, we know the temple's not going to routinely get five-star and four-star top 10, top 50 guys, but how often do you see something like this working out? And do you, do you think this is going to become a little bit more of the norm as guys try to build in the back end of the roster and groom more? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think these are chances that you have to take. And again, obviously not speaking specifically to Deuce Roberts, cause I haven't really, I, I haven't had a chance to evaluate him, but, but on the surface, yeah. I mean, those are chances that you have to take because of a lot of the changes that we've talked about. And I think you're, you're seeing in these couple of recruiting cycles specifically, there's a lot of kids getting overlooked because if you look at the reality of, you know, the class of 2022's high school experience, they basically had a freshman year and then a senior year that wasn't drastically, drastically impacted by COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. Years in the middle, they either, they they were lucky if they were playing a basketball season. Mm -hmm. And if they were, there weren't any coaches that were able to be in the gym watching them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so that's why I think the, the, the portal, we haven't hit the, uh, the pinnacle of, of what the portal numbers are going to look like in the next year or two, because there's just so many evaluations that were thrown off. Um, by the practical nature of just not being able to be in the gym and see these kids live and, um, and then having to play catch up after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're seeing it a lot more in this 2022 and 23 classes where there's guys that are just 
sort of old school pre-social media days where it's a kid who's not really heard of, but in a, in the span of a few weeks can, can get a scholarship temple or honestly, there's a kid out in Western PA, um, a do Thero who I hadn't even heard of until I got a text from a, a good friend out that way earlier in the season. Um, he'd grown, I guess, sort of late and you fast forward a few months and he signed to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, for next fall. Yeah. So, and obviously it doesn't get higher than that. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you're see, you're, you're going to see that more and more. I think, um, and, and, and where kids who maybe are recruited higher and have more options are, are looking at things like either if I'm not at the high major level, then I'm just playing out lower than that until I can transfer up and get there. Taking a kid like a Deuce Roberts, who, who's probably going to be pretty appreciative of the opportunity he has at Temple, um, is probably more likely if you develop him and he gets to the point where he's good enough, he's probably more likely to stick it out and see it through at Temple. Yeah. I think it's where a lot of coaches are, are, are looking at things philosophically and mindset-wise right now of, all right, if we are going to take and develop a kid, it's got to be the right kid we think we're actually going to be able to reap the benefits of, of that development on the back end mm-hmm. um, rather than develop him for somebody else. Uh, moving ahead to the 2024 class, a couple of names that people I think are a little bit more familiar with if you're a high school basketball fan around here. Uh, Rob Wright from Newman Goretti and Ahmad Noel from Imhotep are a couple of local Philly guards from that 24 class are starting to pick up some steam nationally. Temple just offered Rob Wright. I get, got the sense that they wanted to offer him in person at their team camp last week. Uh, you've seen these guys a lot. Um, what do you make of them so far? Again, knowing that they've still got some time to, to develop and improve. Yeah, I mean, I'd say they're both definitely guys that Temple fans are going to be hearing a lot about uh, over the next couple of years. Um, I think they're probably guys that Temple, some Temple fans are going to fixate on a little bit. And, and um, un, un, unfortunately for them, I don't think these are guys that are necessarily going to end up on, on, on North Broad. Um, I just think, I mean, r- r- right now, both these guys have had awesome, awesome springs um, within the 24 classes, uh, probably the two strongest springs of anybody locally, mm-hmm. um, where Ma Noel has been playing for Team Final 17U team. Uh, playing with Justin Edwards, playing with Ramir Barno, uh, his Imhotep teammates, and guys that that Temple fans are probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can argue certainly, with the possible exception of Justin Edwards, who's you know top five, top ten kid in the country right now. Yeah, that Ahmad's been their most consistent player this year uh, mm-hmm. while playing up an age group. Um, physically, he he's just about ready for college basketball, um, and his skill level is not really too far behind. Where he's where he's made the biggest jump is in his shooting. Um, and that's probably catapulted him to he's tracking right now where he's gonna have a chance to be recruited by almost anybody in the country. Um, and, and to be honest, Rob Wright's a guy who's coming up in that same class, but coming up quote unquote behind him and that he's playing 16 U right now for team final and, and leading that uh, leading that group has had probably as productive a spring as any 2024 guard nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, now, even I had some questions seeing, Rob a ton in high school and had an awesome high school season, but just some questions about how at his size and not being a, a, a hyper, hyper athlete for guys who have seen him play, uh, um, how that might translate just going forward and going up in levels. And he's taken that to the, obviously his levels to go forward, but he's taken that to the 16 new level and has, has been dominant against the best 16 new players in the country and went out to Pango's, Pango's all American camp, which I was at in Vegas uh, last week, made the top 30 game there with again, some of the best players and athletes in the country um so, so so i'd say both of those two guys are really on track right now to carry the mantle for that 2024 class locally especially as uh as far as guards go um i certainly just i i think guys temple fans are going to be seeing a lot and hearing a lot about i'm not sure they're going to be seeing them in temple uniforms um but guys that i know johnny you'll probably be get, be, be, be getting asked about ad nauseum for the next uh 18 months or so until they uh 
until I pop. Well, it's going to be doing the same, the same, I hate to make it sound like this, doing the same dance. You try to recruit locally, recruit them hard yep. and, and take your best chance and, and, uh, and see what happens. Um, there's another legacy recruit to talk about that, that maybe gets missed that you pointed out to me and we, we were you chatting about before we started recording today. Uh, and that's Josh Reed at Archbishop Wood. His father, Rick Reed, played at Temple from 1975 to 79 and captained the, the 1978-79 NCAA tournament team. Uh, and, you know, in it, and we're going to talk more about a couple of other legacy guys in a second here. Uh, another guy that you, you mentioned to me before we started recording that might be able to pick up some steam here that people aren't maybe talking about as much. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, e even locally, a lot of people, uh, you know, even within the Catholic League, there's a lot of people that don't really know who Josh Reed is. Uh, he's He's been at Archbishop Wood. He was probably, I'd say he was like the ninth man in like an eight and a half man rotation last year. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in, in some games, he was able to get in there and play a little bit. In other games, he might be the first guy, uh, the, the, the first guy on the outside looking in. Uh, coming in this year with Wood having lost some guys to graduation and to transfer. Um and, and just with him looking like he's gotten to be a materially better player this spring, it looks like he's going to have a really, really big season um, and be on the court a lot for one of the better teams in the Philly Catholic League. Um, now, obviously, there's a far cry from coming from nobody in the area even knows about him to getting recruited by Temple. And I'd say right now he's probably somewhere in the middle of that, where at this point um, he's a definite Division One player. And, and um, I know with, with, with that June 15th contact period, like there's low, low, low and mid major schools that are already reaching out and contacting them. And wouldn't be surprising to see him pick up a few offers during these, uh, these June scholastic periods once people get to see what he can do. Um, the 2024 kid, correct? 2024 kid. Yep. Yeah. Still have a couple years left of, uh, left of high school. Um, I'd say projecting him towards Temple's level, he's still got some improvement to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but does actually on the surface fit some of the things that, that, Temple's looking at in terms of his toughness, his, his size, his length, um, his defense. So, so he's got to continue to improve um, as a guy that's very much still under the radar right now. But it wouldn't shock me, obviously, especially just being a legacy, um, to see him be a name that does become relevant. Certainly, like if we're having this conversation in a year um, and Josh Reed continues on the trajectory he's been on the last six months, um, he could be a guy that we are talking about for Temple. Um, and certainly as a legacy recruit is going to be a guy that I, I would think your, uh, your listeners, your, uh, your readers, et cetera, would want to know about. Mm -hmm. And two other legacy guys. And then I want to ask you about a couple of guys on the, they're currently on the roster that we've been talking about for a couple of years and high Miller and, and Zach Hicks. But when we look at the guys from the 2025 class, I'm already getting asked about that's Jared McKee, Aaron son at St. Joe's prep and Sharif Jackson, at Roman Catholic, the son of Mark Jackson. Again, people's eyes light up yep. as fans <laughs> and get that. Um, I feel like, again, kind of painting with broad brushstrokes here. I think maybe Jaron's kind of getting a little bit more of the attention, but I think people around here know who Sharif Jackson is too. Uh, what have you seen from those guys so far? Again, knowing that they still have three years of high school left, there's the name attached to it the, 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 for, for Temple fans. Let's start with Jared McKee. Again, I, I know Sam Cohn from our staff, and Sam's working for the Inquirer now as well, has had the chance to see him play a few times. Let's start with Jaron. What have you seen from his game so far? Um, yes, yeah, so I'd say the, the, the biggest word for Jaron's game is efficiency. Mm -hmm. uh, you saw it in the Catholic League last year. He was pretty close to 50-40-90, to which is sort of that magic, the, 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 those magic numbers shooting percentage-wise of 50% uh, from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the line. Mm -hmm. He was, if not there, he was pretty remarkably close to it while averaging 13-14, if not a little bit more points a game as a freshman in the best league in the state. 
um, as one of the only freshmen that was playing in, in, in that league and, and definitely the only one leading his team in scoring like he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I mean, from, from what I've seen right now, it's still an open question as to who pe- pe- people right now are liking to talk about who's the best 25 in the area, whether that's as a player, as a prospect, um, or both. I'd say right now, Jaron's right in that conversation for either one, whether it's the best long-term prospect in that class locally or the best right now player in that class locally. Um, Jaron's definitely in that conversation. I'd say um, just for people who haven't seen him play, the, 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 the crux of his game is his jump shot. Uh, he's still very, very thin right now. He's very skilled, but very thin. So it's hard for him to do a ton around the basket, especially against high school competition. But he's an elite-level shooter, sort of similar to how his dad was, um, and is just ruthlessly efficient, where he doesn't take a bad shot. And when his feet are under him, you're pretty surprised if the ball doesn't go in. Um, Sharif, uh, from what I gather, is, and from what I've heard from people who saw Mark, is basically a spitting image of, uh, of, of Mark at that age. Although the one thing I've heard is, uh, is Mark was meaner. um to be honest i mean sharif when he talked to him off the court could not be a nicer and like softer spoken kid so it doesn't shock me but he's he's got some meanness to him on the court too and just very very fundamentally sound um Mm -hmm. for 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 a big in today's day and age um has everything to either either hand over either shoulder uh out of the blocks uh that's definitely where he's comfortable operating right now but then you see some modern big man stuff as well where he can put the ball on the deck a little bit he can really really pass the ball uh, I think his feel for the game on both ends is is is, is pretty high level. Um, and then you're starting to see him try to experiment with the jump shot a little bit. Um, that that it's not a part of his game right now. I don't think it's a part of his game that, you know, Roman probably doesn't want him standing out there and taking a ton of threes yet. But you fast forward a few years, I I, I could definitely see it being something that's part of his game. Um, so, so honestly, I mean, I, I, and not just because they're Temple Legacy guys, but no, the, 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 those two are right there with probably any of the 2025s in the area right now. Uh, I'd say it's very, very early to project even what they're going to be as players, certainly what they're going to be thinking as far as where they want to go to school. Um, but projecting them as players, I can say that that they certainly right now project towards Temple's level and probably kids who project towards having the opportunity to um, be recruited at a level even higher than Temple's. So whether they want to go that direction or not, that's not for me to say, certainly not just yet. Um, but definitely guys that, uh, that are going to be, I think, high on Temple's board and, and, and guys that if they were – we're able to come in projected guys that can be foundational pieces for, for a temple program going forward. I, I know it sounds like the cliche question to ask, but do they play like coaches sons? I mean, Mark is yeah. coaching on the AAU level. I think he does unbiased. I've known him for years. He does a great job as a, as a Sixers postgame analyst. Um, you know, the way you describe how Jaron plays, the way you describe um, how Sharif plays. I mean, I know, like I was in, college at the same time that Mark was. And I used to talk to Mark and Mark, you know, the late great John Hardnett would have, not that he was the only guy to do this, but you know how many pros that he worked out and built yeah. up his, just his player development empire where he would have bigs play one-on-one full court to say, this is how you're going to cut weight. And yeah. Mark would do that. And Mark would watch tape of Carl Malone. I mentioned this on last week's podcast. And then you talk about how Aaron played and how his only other offer was from Coppin state. Nobody was recruiting him. And he came in as a prop 48 guy to get to where he is now. Do they, for as much as they can of their generation, do they remind you of coaches kids in terms of like their efficiency and how they approach the game? Yeah, they definitely got that, that coaches kid. And then honestly, I'd say like, we're seeing even as high as like the NBA level that, that pro son, but not the, not LeBron's son. You know, right. the, the role players, kids, you know, like the Del Curry sons of the world. Right. 
um i think we're seeing we're like no like there's something about like a guy who's dumb if at the highest level mm-hmm. but like you talk about you know had to scrap claw and work for every inch of it wasn't a guy that was anointed to be at that level um but obviously has the genetics but then has also has that experience they can pass down um to 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 a next generation um i think we're seeing the value of that and you can see that in both of these kids you can see it in and like you said the way they approach the game from what you gather and and, and hear about them the way that they work the way um off court, obviously, they both have the resources from their dads having been NBA players mm-hmm. to attack and 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 um, take advantage of. And and the thing that you can't control is from everything you hear, these kids are kids that want to take advantage of it. You know, Jaron wants to come home from prep practice and go shoot more in the backyard with with with, with Aaron. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and that's not every kid right now. That's certainly not every kid that that grows up with means right now. Um, so certainly, yeah, I mean, it, 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 whether it's coach's kid, whether it's the, the, the pros kid, whatever you, you, you definitely see that, that like these kids, these kids play a little differently than most of the kids that you watch playing 15 U. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the, the, the way that they approach the game, the, um, the translatability of some of the stuff that they do, some of the, um, it, 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 you know, just playing the right way ultimately is, is, is really the, the best way to put it. Cause Aaron, Mark Jackson, those guys wouldn't be pros if they didn't play the right way. Yeah, they weren't talented enough to to where guys put up with them if they weren't playing the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think probably if you ask them, their kids are a little bit more talented than they are. <laughs> when you're able to meld that and 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 have them at at that age, I should say, because obviously Aaron and Mark were late bloomers, so I should say they're more talented at the same age. And if you can meld that with the with the approach and the work ethic and all that, then you you can have something really special. Yeah, and those guys, and you you make a great point because Aaron and Mark were, you wouldn't think of it now because they both they both had. NBA careers. Aaron was on the last great, great Sixers team that we saw. And like, again, Aaron didn't really have anybody else other than cop and involved with his recruitment. Mark went to Virginia Commonwealth because everybody was so focused. I mean, John Cheney by his own admission was trying to get Rasheed Wallace, trying to get Rasheed Wallace just lost out to North Carolina. Mark ends up at, at VCU for a year, comes in. And then a year later, I'm at Temple and everybody's like, you got to sneak into McGonagall to see this guy, Mark Jackson places before social media. And he was yep. just, Terrific. You know, so uh, two guys that are on before we get to the mailbag questions that we have here, people are always excited when you come on this podcast because they want to pick your brain and we have some mailbag questions for you. Two guys on the current Temple roster that you saw play for years that you were always pretty high on, especially Zach Hicks, uh, Zach Hicks and Hysir Miller, two guys that that played a lot as freshmen and, and figured to become big pieces of Temple's future in, in at least in the season to come. Um, and with with Hysir and Zach, both guys showed flashes. I think it's safe to say that that Hysier is probably going to be their starting point guard next year with, with Jeremiah Williams transferring to, to Iowa state, both guys, you know, had their ups and downs. Zach had the game where he just shot the living hell out of the ball against Dell state. Um, and Hysier again, just being tough, being steady. Um, you know, he scored double figures in four of Temple's last six games, had 21, a season and career high, 21 points in that uh, conference tournament loss to Tulane. Zach averaged 8.3 points, 4.1 rebounds a game, and he rebounded the ball pretty well. Uh, had that 35-point game against Dell State. What did you think of their freshman seasons? Was that about what you expected from what you had seen from them in high school? Um, I mean, I, I, I'd say certainly, like, from Temple's standpoint, I think it was a completely, you know, totally unfettered success um, from, from, from both of their standpoints for true mm-hmm. freshmen. Um, and in a year, especially where you look at, I know what the numbers were for the high major level and, and I don't have, I don't have the statistical backing, but, but I'd be shocked if it didn't trickle down at least to the AAC where it was just probably the hardest year ever for true freshmen to, to yeah. be on the court, let alone be contributing and 
um, be in winning situations, especially once conference play came around and, and the games really started to matter. Just for a lot of reasons, it was a really, really hard year for a true freshman to be on the court in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think certainly from that standpoint, it was a huge, huge success. I'll take, uh, I guess, like the first quarter of my victory lap on, uh, on Zach Hicks because it's not all the way there yet. Um, but he's a guy that I was just kind of pounding the drum for for a long time. I frankly was telling this time two years ago, I was telling pretty much any high major coach who would listen that they should be going to watch him at the, the at Philly Live, the June, June periods, or, you know, that might have been during COVID, that they should be watching the live stream and they should be recruiting him. I mean, Zach was a top 100, top 150 kid in the 2021 class. He just wasn't ranked that way. Yeah. Um, and I think he came out and, and basically showed that this season. Um, I came on this podcast before he played for Temple and said, I think he has a chance to develop into a pro. Uh, I still think there's a lot of development that has to happen there, but I see no reason from his freshman year to back off of that statement. Um, and honestly, I think from talking to some pro scouts who saw Temple this year, they think, you know, he's a guy that's in the bucket of guys who will have a chance. And if you ask who the best pro prospect is on Temple's roster, you, you, you might get Zach um, yeah. from scouts right now. Um, so I think it's going to be another just big year to kind of keep, keep focused, not, uh, not put the card in front, in front of the horse and, and just kind of keep getting better. It's not like all of a sudden he'll, he'll be in probably a pretty similar role to the role he was in last year when you look at the depth chart. Um, so just kind of keep improving within that role. And, and um, I could see the following year being one where he really, really takes off. Um, and then with Hazir, I mean, I'll, I'll just uh, colloquially, I'm going to call him Fabe. Uh, if anybody doesn't know that, yeah. usually, uh, usually how people who know Hazir refer to him. Um, right. so Fabe, like I, I'll be honest, I, I did not expect him to have the true freshman year that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when he, when he signed a temple, it was one where he, <clears throat> he'd really made a jump during the pandemic. Right. And when it was really hard to see him against other players to get a great comparison as to, all right, where is this kid? Where, where does he stack up? You weren't getting to see him play against the Stevie Mitchells or the Russell Diggins, et cetera, et cetera. Cause guys were, you know, in their bubbles. Um, and by the time he were, he was already signed to Temple. And it was a little bit of an open question. As to how, how much better has this kid really, really gotten? Um, and I think by the time, by the end of his senior year, you, I don't think he won Catholic League MVP. I think Rasul did, but it was a very, very open question as to who yeah. was there. And, 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 and Fabe was right. What, what, what was, if he didn't win it, he was the runner up. And it was pretty, pretty clear. No, this kid's good enough to play at Temple. Um, and down the line, it's certainly good enough where you take him and he's going to be a program kid. But I'm not sure that many people expected him to have the true freshman year that he he, he went in and had. I'm not sure he expected that. And honestly, I, I can tell you, like, certainly after watching some preseason practices and even in the season, like, I don't think Temple expected him to be able to play at that level once he, you know, some guys ended up getting hurt and he was called on. Um, I think it speaks to ultimately the reasons why if you weren't really sure on paper whether you take Fabe, it speaks to all the reasons why anyone who knows him would say, all right, if you're on the fence, then you just take him because he's the type of kid who – there. It, it's cliche, but like there's something special about the kid where, where just the way that he works, the way that he competes um, and, and when opportunity strikes, it, there, there's something about the kid where you're just not really going to want to be the one that bets against him. And I think he showed that this year where there wasn't that much evidence pointing to that he was going to come in and be ready and, 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 you, you know, hold the fort for the time that he did as a starting point guard, but evidence be damned. He came in and he did it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think he's set up pretty well now with, 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 with that confidence under his belt and, um, obviously a year of college and adjustment, uh, 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 under his belt. I think you're going to see, you know, him continue to kind of hit the ground running and, and if not build past what, what he did last year, I think you're just going to see another several years of that contribution and that steadiness mm-hmm. on guard spot. What about Joey White too? And I kind of, you know, I want to say I forgot about him, but another guy that you saw yep. and 
you know, a few years ago, again, for whatever it was worth, some people were saying, well, Taj, Taj Sweet, who is now ending up at Temple as a transfer, and there were some people who, who will claim that they saw that coming down the pike. You know, Taj had the bigger offers. Jaleel yep. might turn out to be the better, more versatile player. Again, there's still a lot of time left to assess what they're going to do, but Jaleel still has a lot of time to develop. But for whatever it was worth, Big Five Rookie of the Year didn't play in his true freshman season because he was still recovering from the meniscus tear showed some flashes of, of what he can do. And now ultimately moving forward, he and Taj are going to be on the same, same roster. I'm not sure if Taj will play this year after playing sparingly for two years at West Virginia, briefly going to coastal Carolina where he never played. But um, what, what did you see from, from, from Ja this year? Again, he needs to work on a shot, but you know, they're losing. I don't want to undersell what they're losing. Jeremiah Williams was another under the radar guy and, and he's going to be at Iowa state and they're losing a very good perimeter defender there. I don't know what he's going to become offensively you know I think I was texting you at one point and saying boy they just lost their best perimeter defender and you you I think you said something like I must have missed them missed the message on this Did, is Jaleel White going anywhere so I think that was your way of saying like no I think he's their best perimeter defender what'd you think of what Ja did this year yeah um no so I mean you 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 kind of hit it on the head you took the the, the words from my mouth I'm just I, I'm excited for what Ja's gonna have an opportunity to do this coming year just because of what I've seen from him um, at the college level and then meld that with what I, I saw from him as a prospect, I think there's a lot more that he's going to be able to step in and be capable of doing. Another guy that you were, I hate to, you know, you're not like this, but another guy, I got to tip my cap to you. Another guy that for a few years now, you were banging the drum on him saying he's going to be good. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. Just like Zach. No, yeah, yeah no. Jello was one of my guys for sure. Um, and, and I was happy with what I saw from a freshman year and think that, yeah, like there's, there's, there's a lot more that he can do to step in and fill some of that Jeremiah Williams void. Obviously I'm not going to say that, Oh, he's going to step in and be an all-conference player like Jeremiah was. Um, certainly not right away, but um, but Jalil, I think, showed you one of the things that I know the Temple staff loved about him while recruiting him. What 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 was his defense? And you 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 just alluded to it, but um, his ability to guard the four, if not even at the five, sometimes at pretty close to. I mean, I saw him the other day at team camp. Jalil's about six eight, and he's really really strong. Yeah you're not getting that many bigs that are that much bigger than that in the American. So he can guard some fives um, in that league. And then they feel good. Even if they have to switch them as low as onto point guards mm -hmm. um, where I think, you know, you look on balance, no matter who your two, three, and four is, that's a guy that we can stick on them and, and he's going to have a chance to shut them down. And another one, honestly, when you talk to NBA scouts, they look way, way down the line. Uh, you know, this isn't where Jello is going to leave early or anything like that, but this is way down the line. Unless, like this could be a kid who, who can defend at the NBA level. Obviously there's every, everything else you'd have to work out, but. So his sure. name's coming up too. Yeah, yeah. As, as a specialist and as a guy like you know, you look at like a guy like Herb Jones. Uh, now he was SEC Player of the Year senior. Right. Year. There's a far cry for Jalil to get there. The odds are he probably won't. But yeah, the, the, but 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 there's people that talk about it like, could this kid be an elite defender as high as the NBA level? Mm -hmm. um, I think you add on some of the playmaking that he showed at lower levels from a kid who was basically a point guard who just kind of kept growing. I mean, when when I first saw Jalil, he's probably about six six two. Um, and genuinely played the point and played the point all the way through his career at Wildwood Catholic, um, where I think with a guy like Jeremiah gone, you're going to get to see a lot more of the playmaking ability that he's able to, uh, that he's able to tap into. The big swing, like you mentioned, is going to be a shot. Um, if he can hit corner threes consistently, he's, he's never going to be, he's not going to be Zach Hicks <laughs> right. um, as a shooter. But if he can step out and hit corner threes consistently and maybe get to some foul line pull-ups coming off a ball screen, just, you know, be able to keep the defense honest, be able to, to keep the floor space when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. I think at the very, very, obviously we're talking about 
pro and whatever, that's way down the line. But I think at the very least, he's a really, really valuable player for Temple, whether that's as a starter probably this year, I would think. You, you, you probably know more of the depth chart offhand than I do. but Probably. Yeah. I mean, a guy that's had a chance to start and just do a lot of different things and, and, and fill a lot of different roles. I think ultimately when you look at their team, that's what they really want to build. And that's what they set out to build. And I think Jalil, Zach, I mean, guys like that fit really well into that. A guy that can play multiple positions, um, do a lot of different things. And, and, and most importantly, I think play both ends of the court. One more question about job before we get to the mailbag with, with Jeremiah going and with, you know, his contributions were kind of up and down, but Ty Strickland is moving along. He's going to play his final season or I have a season or two left at Southern. You are losing a guy in Ty Strickland who could come in and handle the ball. We've seen job be able to handle the ball. I mean, unless they do something with the roster that I don't know about, he's your other ball handler other than Fabe. Do you think he's yeah. ready for that? I guess he's going to have to be ready for it, right? Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to be. And, and I, yeah, I, I think in that role where it's, it's coming off the fade, but I think you also probably see Dame, uh, Dame right. Dunn handle the ball a little bit, not necessarily as a point, but just um, I, I, off I, the floor. Yeah, exactly. I think he'll have the ball on his hands and uh, a, a, a decent amount. But no, I mean, I, I like I said, it's a role Jello's comfortable with. He's honestly probably more comfortable with that role than he is with playing off the ball, especially <laughs> given the the lack of trust that he has in his shot. Um, yeah, you know, just a lack of success he's had with his shot. It, right. it, it's a role that he's really comfortable with. It's how he's played most of his career. Um, has been with the ball in his hands and as a point guard. It was, I mean, it's very, it, 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 it's funny almost where where him and Jordan Hall both came up together in the exact same area as really good friends and played with the same AAU programs growing up, and were both these like six one, you know, just traditionally sized point guards who grew to six seven, six eight as these wings. <laughs> Obviously, both big five players. Jordan's not going through the uh, through the draft process, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, Jello's a natural point. Um, I'm not sure how many Temple fans know that. And certainly from his role last year, he didn't get to show as much of that. But I'd be surprised if you don't see more of it this year, especially with a guy like Jeremiah and Ty, like you said, being being out. So we have a few mailbag questions for you here too. And these are coming from owlscoop.com subscribers. These are screen names for our message boards that you're going to be hearing. So the first one comes from New England Owl. Question here is, do you think Temple, do you think interest in Temple basketball is improving among local recruits? Um, I... Uh... I'd say it's probably about the same as it was um, the last couple years. I think um, they're on the way towards trying to change that. Where like, if you do see them make the tournament this year, if you do see them really like make some noise, um, I, I, I think that could change really swiftly. And then I, I, I think things past COVID um, being able to get back to normal, like having guys on campus for team camp. Right. Um, I think things like that are going to help. Cause honestly, I mean, I, I, I hadn't been up, uh, to, to Pearson in, in a little bit. I mean, it's always been a nice facility, certainly, but I mean, the, some of the renovations they did, like some of that, I mean, it, it coming from a totally neutral standpoint, I mean, it's beautiful. And they did an awesome job with it. And I don't know how many kids locally know that we have facilities like that right here in, in you know, on, on North Broad um, mm-hmm. in, in, in Philly. So just th- think with things being more open and just being able to get guys on campus, whether it's for a team camp or obviously for unofficial visits and stuff like that. Now that they've renovated, now that they've gotten a few years under their belt as a staff, they, they've they've gotten some wins together. Obviously, I'm sure not where Temple fans want them to be yet, but but um, they've moved forward each last couple of years. Like I, I think you're starting to head into the year where you can start to see a little bit of that groundswell of no, like where where, where, where some of that mindset does change. I just don't think we're there yet, where all of a sudden mm-hmm. um, recruits are looking at Temple in some totally new light. Yeah. Um, the next screen name here, uh, the Hick, and he has several questions. So I'm going to pick out a couple. 
uh, he's a longtime subscriber. Anytime we open up mailbag questions, he'll, he'll get in about like five or six. So I'm going to try to pick out a couple <laughs> here. Um, he says, you know, is, is Coach McKee seen as a coach who players want to play for and learn from? Does his NBA legacy help or hurt? Uh, does his NBA legacy help or does his tough love hurt? Does Temple resonate with kids from other locations? Does Temple have an opportunity to beat Villanova in any top tier talent? So I'm going to try to parse this down. Okay. I think it's fair to say that no Temple is not recruiting on Villanova's level. I was say, let me take the last one first and just say no. <laughs> uh, you don't win a couple of national championships. Nova's on another level right now. I don't yeah. think we'll break any news there. Maybe this this temple resonate with kids from other locations. I think that's an interesting one because again, they've had to for as much pressure as they get. You know this. You and I have talked about this so much. AU coaches want it both ways. Offer them early. Offer them early. Offer them early. But then if they have a chance to go somewhere else, buy. But um, you know they've they've gotten Damian Dunn, Jeremiah Williams, guys from other locations. You 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 do as we talked about the outside of the podcast. You don't just you don't just scout here. You scout nationally. Does Temple resonate with kids from other locations? Yeah, uh, uh, I'll actually be totally honest. This is maybe I guess something that that I don't know how Temple fans will feel about this. I actually think Temple resonates in some ways more in other locations. I would agree. Um, I, I I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think the American Conference mm-hmm. is is has more name recognition in other in other regions. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's some costs and benefits to temple of being in that league. And you, <laughs> that, 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 that's probably something you're much more well-versed in than I am. But mm-hmm. I think that's one way where it does help them is you just get some recognition in some other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, you know, specifically like that, that there's Carolina, Georgia, that, 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 that Southeast um, part of the country where a lot of those schools are located. And especially on the, the, the football side where a lot of the success in the league has come from. Um, I think you get recognition from that. And, and, and like I said, I mean, the facilities are, are on par with, with, with any program anywhere um, with, with, with any program of Temple's level anywhere. So I think people from out of the area come and see it, see it as a really appealing place to go to school. I think there's a, a very real sense right now and, and, and on a human level where kids in Philly don't necessarily want to stay in Philly, um, whether that's just from being 18 and wanting to go see something different. I when I was going through my college process, I didn't want to stay local. So certainly people can understand that. And if you're from a different part of the country and you don't want to stay local, Temple's a really great place to go to school. And then just honestly with, 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 with um, you know, some of the violence in the city right now that we've seen the last year or two, especially, uh, you know, an uptick, there's kids that from that standpoint, very, very practically just want to go to school somewhere else. Don't want to go to, 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 to North Broad. Mm-hmm. Um, the facilities and, and, and the program and everything could be great, but you can't control where, where, where the school's located. And for some people, that's something that's hard to, uh, to get past. Whereas from out of the area, um, in some way, I guess, like you, you look at it that uh, that ignorance is bliss in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but from you know, those costs and benefits don't necessarily align the same from, from a kid from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, next question here the screen name is Temple J. Uh, can you provide us? Um, well, the one thing uh, for for the guy uh, that we didn't get to is about Aaron. Um, oh, sure, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, no, no I was gonna say, sort, sort of similarly, uh, where I think Temple it's almost similarly to Villanova. The, the one thing that they are able to do similarly is they recruit. I think to the kids who they think can, can play for Aaron and can yeah. thrive under Aaron. Yeah. He's not, um, I'd say he's a little bit old school in his approach mm-hmm. and that can work. It just can, can work with certain kids and mm-hmm. it's not going to work with certain others. I think when, um, when he came in and, and inherited some guys, it was pretty clear right away. It was like, no, like this, we've got to recruit to me and, and, and to the program that I want to build. And I think they've done that since then. Um, so I think, yeah, like his tough love style is going to hurt for certain kids because certain kids aren't going to want to play for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're 
it's going to get to where kids are going to be running off because I think um, Temple's doing a good enough job up front of, of acknowledging that in the kids that they're recruiting and recruiting the kids that are going to fit that fit, fit that style. And then towards the NBA point, I do think I talked about it um, on this podcast, so that's a big selling point mm-hmm. um, of, of Aaron's done it. He's been in the league and, and specifically that he's been in the league from Temple as a, a, a sign of, hey, like you can, as a kid from Temple who was only re- re- recruited by Coppin State, like you said, um, so the blueprint's there where even if it's a different di- different era, you can come here, you can do what you need to do, take care of business and, and go play at the highest level. Yeah, I feel like that's the, when we talk to recruits, that's the same story that we hear because it's just as time passes, like these kids were not born. I, I, yeah, no, and I, and, and, and I talk to recruits right now who are going to low major schools talk about that they think it's the best chance to develop for the NBA. I mean, it's just <laughs> whether it's right, wrong, or different or realistic or not, like it's what a lot of these kids want to hear and what a lot of these kids are making decisions based off of is who's going to develop me the best. And Everybody, having a guy who's done it, it's a lot yeah. easier, obviously, to believe that he can get you there because he's done it. He's not selling you anything that he hasn't um, done and experienced himself. Like Damian Dunn had that story where he said, I was sitting on a phone call with Aaron and my dad's sitting close by and Dame just being young, doesn't remember Aaron McKee playing 13 seasons of the league, playing with Allen Iverson, but his dad did. And he was like, you're on the phone with Aaron McKee. And it's kind of one of those things that kind of, I think like trickles down with kids and they're like, oh, and they just Google and look them up. Okay. Now yeah. I get it. Yep. Yep. And certainly obviously, you know, he's lucky too. Or the guy, uh, guy he played with is a guy about as, um, you know, recognizable. And even to the younger generation, I mean, everyone knows Allen Iverson. So he yep. <laughs> played with AI, started next to AI, da, 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 like that that holds weight even with the kids today. So, mm-hmm. so getting to the Temple Jays question here, and again, maybe this could be the next shoot a drop for Temple. We'll see. His question is, can you provide a scouting report on Shane Dazoni? So if you haven't been following along here, uh, if you're a subscriber to Al Scoop, you know, you're updated on this. Um, Shane Dazoni. If you're not a subscriber to Owl Scoop, then really, what are you doing? That, exactly. That's my, uh, you my, my editorializing, not, uh, not, not, not John. You said that. I did. I appreciate that, Ari. Um, so Shane Dazoni, former top 150 recruit, was bound for Arizona, uh, you know, backs out of Arizona when Sean Miller gets fired, ends up at Vanderbilt, um, just um, uh, hits the portal, was supposed to go to St. Joe's, doesn't end up at St. Joe's. Uh, I think that we might hear something potentially within the next week on Shane Dazoni, either ending up at Temple or not ending up at Temple. Sounds like it could be leaning that way. Um, But the the question here, can you provide a scouting report on Shane Dazoni? I'm not breaking any news here. If Temple can get him, the kid could certainly help him. He can shoot the ball, turned it over a lot in his freshman season at Vanderbilt. Again, a lot of time for him to develop, but what, what could you tell people about Shane Dazoni? And if, you know, again, I'm not guaranteeing the Temple's going to get him. It could be heading in that direction. We'll see. But what could you tell people about Shane? Yeah, um, so Shane was a kid. He, he was at, a, at Hudson Catholic for, I think, all four years of high school. Um, certainly all of his upperclassmen years. I forget if he was somewhere beforehand. Mm-hmm. was a kid uh, who was a little bit on, on the periphery um, of, of, of my work and uh, of a guy that I was really – evaluating quote unquote, but certainly a guy that I watched, um, was always a really talented scorer, uh, was a guy who got a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> this is kind of like going inside baseball, but got like a little bit of a, a knock among scouts and among people in the industry. Cause he was just really old for his grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had reclassified. And I think like, for whatever reason that became, it, it, it annoys me sometimes when that becomes a narrative rather than talking about, all right, is the kid good or not? <laughs> right. Um, and, and I factor that stuff into my evaluation is obviously how old the kid is, but, um, 
it got to the point where when Shane was an upperclassman, I sort of think it took away from just, no, this kid's still a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whether I was going to be at a, at a school like Arizona or a school like Temple or St. John, like what have you. It was just like, no, at some level, this kid's a pretty good player. He's always been a really talented scorer, um, could really, really get downhill. Um, I'd say Shane's probably about like 6'4", pretty muscular and well-built. Um, shooting was always a little bit of the question. Was I, I, I'd say probably more shot maker than pure shooter is a term that I like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, not a, a, a guy that's maybe more comfortable getting to a pull up and of a couple dribbles and in rhythm than he is maybe just catching and shooting. Um, where you're like, all right, like that, that that's going to be a knockdown guy. Um, but certainly, I, I, I think a guy that would project to be able to come in and score for Temple definitely. Um, and just from a physical standpoint, would be a guy who checks some interesting boxes, like we were talking about, or just being able to do a little bit of different things and check some different positions defensively. Um, and just sort of keep that sort of that 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 versatile hard-nosed uh, sort of mindset that Temple's trying to build right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of questions here. These are some good ones from B. Devin Four is the, is the screen name. Does Eric McKee and his staff have a chance to make Newman Gretti a pipeline to Temple, parentheses, Robert Wright, please. We've already talked about Robert. Um, kind of like Pat Chambers did with Roman to Penn State in years past. Um and we've, we've talked about a guy that we, this isn't part of B. Devin Force question here. There's Kafik Myers is there as well. But like talking about Newman Goretti, um, we got there's an assistant there, John Brennan, who's a, a, a Temple guy, didn't play for, you know, didn't play at Temple. But does Aaron McKee have a chance to, to really build some inroads there at Newman Goretti? It was a big deal that they got fave. They hadn't gotten a Philly area point guard. You can talk about Shiz being at the Howard School and being a city guy, but they really hadn't been getting a ton of Philly guys. Do they have a chance to, to create a, a pipeline there? I kind of think I know what your answer is going to be, but we'll, we'll throw this out there too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is the answer you thought. I mean, I, I, I think sure they have a chance. Um, I mean, I think that, that like they're already offering, I mean, Newman's probably got the best 2024 class in the city right now. Yeah. Um, looking down the line. I mean, I don't see Newman Goretti going away as a, a, a basketball powerhouse mm-hmm. um, lo, 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 locally. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a pipeline. I mean, I think you're definitely going to see New- <laughs> Temple continue to recruit kids from Newman Goretti because they're going to continue to have some of the best kids in the city. Um, and, and, and I will say like, and, and I said it when they signed in that part of not just signing a local kid, but specifically signing Fabe is, is Fabe does resonate with kids in the city and he does resonate with kids at Newman Goretti. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so that does give them a little bit of a leg up. I thought it was funny walking into a, to the practice gym for team camp the other day and I'm watching Newman play. And sure enough, there's Fabe sitting uh, as a scorekeeper, right? As a scorekeeper. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think Newman might've gotten a few free points or something in that game, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, so, so, so yeah, I mean, you look at, you, you, you know, they've already offered you, you mentioned they offered Robert Wright at team camp. I think he's going to be a kid that's really, really hard to get. He already has, he's got the ACC offers. I think that's only going to continue to come. You, you're never going to bet on a kid in today's day and age turning that down to to, to go to Temple. Especially mm-hmm. if, and Rob's uh, Rob's a Delaware kid; he's not even a city kid like that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so so we'll see. Uh, but a kid like Kafik Myers, who who, who Temple's also recruited, like that's a kid that Hazir Miller is really close with. He's a South Philly kid. They work out together. They they, they um, obviously they played together. They they, they train together, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I, I I think having a kid like Fabe, if they ultimately do want to recruit Kafik, is going to help. And then obviously if they land Kafik and they want to recruit the next South Philly guard that's playing at Newman, cause there's always going to be one mm-hmm. having a kid like Fik is going to help. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's going to be a direct pipeline or anything like that. I think you're going to continue to see kids from Newman go to a lot of different places and you're going to see Temple continue to recruit kids from a lot of different places besides Newman. 
Um, but 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 yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I I don't think it's something that the staff is ignoring right now. It's something that that that, that there's a potential to have, and um, I certainly don't think it's something that uh, that could hurt <laughs> from 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 Temple's standpoint mm-hmm. either. Final question here from B Devin Ford. We'll close out the, the the pod with this before we ask Ari about where he's heading next, and again where you can find his work and follow him throughout the summer. Uh, if Ari had to make a starting five of Philly area recruits in the last five years, what does that squad look like? Ooh, uh, all right. So Jalen Duran's the five. I mm-hmm. think that's easy. That's obvious. Yeah. Um, if we can count him, even though he left, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to count him um that's the other thing too not to get us too far off track is that now you're starting to see even some of the top programs in the city oh yeah t- losing players to national programs yep. so who knows where some of these guys end up long term anyway no, before exactly. they even go to college exactly no but i'll say uh i'll say jalen Dern at the five you said the last five years yes okay so that, um i won't be too we'll, we'll, we're gonna count the 2017 class so so and this is high school guys quaddy green's gonna be my point guard mm-hmm um, and that might draw some ire because now, like at the time, Quaddy was McDonald's All American, but in that class was also Duran Russell and uh, and Con Gillespie. Yep. Um, and down, you know, it's a hot argument as to who. who That's who, why this is fun. That's why exactly, it's fun to do who this. Who was stuff. one, two, yeah. and three, and who is now one, two, and three? But at the time, I mean, Quaddy was the guy at the time, and 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 at the point specifically, I want Quaddy. Give me Isaiah Wong at the two. Uh, who you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, give me. Uh, that's not five years. I, I give me Justin Edwards at the three at the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and give me Eric Dixon probably at the four. Mm. Um, first guy. Oh, no, no, wait, actually, no. So I've got a. I'll go smaller. I'm going to go with my three and my four. I'm sorry, Eric, but my three and my four will be Cam Reddish and Justin Edwards. So we're going to go a little bit small ball, yeah. play one of them as like a hybrid four with uh, with Duran at the five, cleaning everything up. Pretty good squad. Yeah, yeah, pretty good squad. Got to, pretty good squad. <laughs> we've been lucky. I got to watch some good players in the last uh, last few years locally. So, Ari, what is um, – again, this is where things start to get really busy and hectic for you. got Philly Live coming up. Are you going to be there – this weekend or you uh we'll just take people through where where yeah. they can see you next and where they can follow your work um so i i will be at philly live on sunday at jefferson tell people again what that what that is and how yeah, so, why it's kind of fun uh yeah so, so so this is i mean if you are in the area and you want to see some some, some good basketball over the next couple of weekends basically uh, a few years ago the ncaa took uh what it always june had always been team camp season it always be where where kids would get back from aau and be with their high school teams usually on uh, on these collegiate team camps like temple just had last weekend um so so i would always be watching scholastic basketball this time of year but what the ncaa did a few years ago um was add on uh recruiting periods during the month of june uh where coaches can go d1 coaches can go out and evaluate kids live um and rather than in the in the summer they could only in the spring and summer before they could only do that with their au teams they added these two weekends in june uh where high school where college coaches can be out and evaluate kids with their high school teams in the summertime um so starting tomorrow uh, will be the first uh, uh, Division One recruiting period since April, uh, which was an AAU period. And at Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson University and St. Joe's Prep, uh, we'll be hosting Philly Live 1 and Philly Live 2 the next two weekends, which probably, uh, certainly as far as bang for your buck on the East Coast and the Northeast, you're, you're not going to find a better uh, scholastic live period event. So you'll mm-hmm. get all the Catholic League teams, pretty much all the local guys that we just talked about, 
Um, and then most of the, the, all the New Jersey Catholic school powerhouses and a few teams from New York, a few teams from the DMV um, with, with probably hundreds of Division I coaches out there watching. Um, so that's going to be going on all over the country this weekend, but um, right here in Philly is one of the best events, certainly in, 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 in the region, if not the entire country. Uh, so I will be at Jefferson on Sunday mm-hmm. um, for, for, for the last day of Philly Live 1. Um, actually, between now and then, I'm flying out tomorrow morning to Phoenix um, for basically the West Coast counterpart of, of these events, which actually out there they do at the, the Cardinal Stadium, and they lay down 12 courts <laughs> um, wow. on what, 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 what would be the field of the Arizona Cardinal Stadium, and it's the whole mm-hmm. West Coast is out there. Um, so definitely, I mean, I, I say, follow me a Rosenfeld hoops and, uh, follow our company elite HS scouting, um, and Tom Keller's, uh, Twitter, I believe it's underscore Tom Keller. Uh, cause while I'm out West, Tom will be holding things down at Philly live. Uh, then the following weekend, I'll be at, at a bunch of Philly live too. Tom will probably be up in new England, uh, for the new England prep school, uh, counterpart, uh, you know, June live event. Um, and then that's going to flow right into to July AAU recruiting, uh, which I don't know exactly where we're all going to be yet, but the combination of, you know, the various sneaker circuits, hopefully Peach Jam and um, all the local hoop group and, uh, you know, independent events as well. So, um, like I said at the top, I mean, no, no one's going to be seeing more basketball, certainly in this region, than, uh, than myself and, and my, my, my VP, Tom Keller. Um, and, and I think we're starting to continue to build our foothold nationally as well. So looking forward to getting out to Phoenix and see some guys out that way. Um, and I'll be back in Philly on Sunday. All right. This was terrific. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Well, yeah, uh, always, uh, always appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Catch up soon when you get back home. Thank you to all of you again for listening. Thank you to all of you who submitted mailbag questions and all of our loyal listeners. Our listenership continues to increase. We really appreciate that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you next week. Big thanks to Ari again. We'll talk to you guys soon.